Sabbath to the Loma Linda Korean English speaking church. It is a pleasure and a joy to be here. And I probably didn't turn on the red button, right? There we go. Was that my fault? Check one, two, there we go. What an amazing, beautiful facility you have here. And we are so excited to sing for you, to worship with you, to provide an opportunity for all of us to become, to get closer to God today. And what better way than through music, through singing? Uh, He has given each one of these young people the gift of singing. And at this time, we want to give it back to him and hopefully be a blessing to all of you this Sabbath day. Thank you for inviting Loma Linda Academy Pro Musica to be a part of your worship today.
You can hear me. The acoustic is wonderful. Um, the next song that we will sing for you is a setting of the Lord's Prayer. Of course, we all know the, the Malat setting of the Lord's Prayer, but this is my second most favorite setting of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, written by Renee Clausen, who is the conductor at Concordia College in the Midwest. Of the 
Scripture is found in, um, oh, it's Matthew 7, 24, and it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Um, Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. Thank you for bringing us all here safely so that we can worship you. Please be with Pastor Junie today as she delivers us the word. And in your name we pray, amen. Happy Sabbath. Here. That's awesome. Um, we really want to welcome Pro Musica uh, this morning. Um, we're so happy you guys are here. And, you know, during the first song, I, I felt really bad for those of you guys who were, like, not in the circle. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I feel bad for you guys. Because it sounded so... Like, is it creepy for me to be like, can you guys take me to sleep every night? <laughs> And then I was thinking, like, what if wherever I go, they were always there and they would, like, when I'm like, guys, I'm going to pray before I eat, and then they start singing? (laughs) Or, like, before, you know, I'm like, guys, I'm going to start studying my Bible this morning, and then they start singing? (laughs) 
Wait, would that be creepy? <laughs> um, All right. I think, okay. Thank you. Uh, so switch mics. All right. Oh, no. <laughs> we good? Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so we're so glad all of you guys are here. We welcome all our guests. And um, for those of you guys who are not regularly members of Loma Linda Korean, just wanted to let you guys and our regular members know that we're actually starting a brand new sermon series next week on First Peter um, entitled uh, Living Hope. So if you guys need some living hope in your life, we welcome you to come back next week and join us. How many of you guys are good at accepting help? You're like, you know, I'm self-aware. I get that I can't do things on my own. Like if someone offers you help with something, you're in. How many of you guys are good at accepting help? Okay, only a few people. I'm very happy for you guys. Um, How many of you guys are not so good at accepting help? Mm, mm, okay, my people. All right, I have gotten much better at accepting help nowadays, but I used to be very, very bad at it. I used to just like always want to take care of things on my own. I wanted to fix it on my own. I didn't want to burden anyone else. And I remember there was a backpacking trip that our church took to Zion uh, many years ago where uh, we won the lottery for the subway hike. I don't know if any of you guys have done the subway hike. It's like super intense where you like have to rappel down these like boulders and these like small cliff thingies. And then you have to swim through certain areas. So if you don't know how to swim, you can't do this hike. And the entire hike, I was like very independent where like other people would like extend their hand or like, you know, they'd like try to help me get like over this boulder or like down this, you know, tree. And I'd be like, no, 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 I'm good. I got this. To the point where near the end of the hike, we were all exhausted. We had been hiking since 5.30 in the morning and we just couldn't wait to get back to our campsite and shower and pass out. And there was this area where it was kind of the final area where we had to climb over this cluster of like fallen trees and rocks. And my associate pastor at the time, um, also one of my closest friends, colleague in ministry, he extends his hand to me to help me get over this last hurdle. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay, I got it. And then he yells at me and he goes, Junie, it's okay to accept help. And I was like, okay. And then I jumped down by myself. Before we open God's word this morning, let's pray. Holy Spirit, um, wow, we really are feeling you here already. Um, We thank you so much for the beautiful music um, that you spoke to us through. And now as we open scripture, um, we ask that you will help us to open our hearts and our ears and our minds, um, that we may be just open and hearing whatever it is that our Father wants to share with us today. Um, This is your time to do whatever you want to do. Um, So I ask that you will just hide me in the shadow of Jesus' cross 
so that he may be lifted up and we may experience him. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to jump straight into the word this morning. And to give you some context, um, Jesus has just finished the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, You know, the sermon that everyone likes, but no one completely applies because it's way too hard. And here's what he says at the end. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, he says, therefore, everyone, he's like, everyone, okay, everyone who hears these words of mine, and this is kind of like Jesus is like, hey, 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 like this is for everyone who's here, okay? Everyone who comes and sits in these pews, I'm talking to you. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And as Christians, we tend to focus on the first part, the hear these words of mine part. But how many of you guys know the song about this wise man, right? He built his house upon the rock, and then what happened? The rain came down, and the floods came up. But the guy who built his house upon the rock, his house was firm. It withstood the storm. And then Jesus goes and says this. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rain came down and the flood came up. And this is normally like the kid's favorite part of the song because, and then the house went splat, right? And you guys know it. And the guy who built his house on the sand, his house just fell flat. And Jesus is making this incredible point, and he's looking around the group like, look, I really appreciate all of you guys being here. I appreciate you taking notes. Like Matthew, thanks for writing this down. John, ah, John, John's always taking notes too. A few others, you guys taking notes? I really appreciate that. But guys, if you just hear it, and you don't do anything with it, okay, even if you hear it, and believe it. Actually, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do the slides. Thank you guys, though. So, so even if you guys hear it and don't do anything with it, even if you hear it and you believe it, even if you hear it and you feel convicted by it, even if you hear it and you're like, mm, or you're like, mercy, or you're like, amen, even if you do all of those things, but you do not put it into practice, You are like a foolish man who built his house without foundation. It looks great on the outside, but when the storm came, and this is how Jesus concluded this parable, he said, it fell with a great crash. So one of the reasons that we gather and listen, one of the reasons that we open God's word is because for some of us, we have already had a great crash in our lives. And we don't want another crash. Some of you have crashed a relationship. Some of you have crashed in school. Some of you have crashed in finances and you're still trying to figure it out. And you don't want to go through another season of life with a crash. Some of you have crashed morally. Some of you have crashed with your parents. Some of you have crashed with your health. 
And many of us have discovered that if we will open God's word and listen and learn and then do what Jesus says, if we apply what Jesus taught, then we can avoid future crashes. And maybe for some of you first years in graduate school, maybe you're pre-crash. Maybe for some of our youth, some of our high school, junior high, elementary school children, maybe you guys are like, you're not even old enough to crash yet, right? Maybe you've never had a crash. And maybe you have the opportunity to get it right the first time without crashing. And what Jesus says is, if you will build your life on the foundation of what I teach, then when the storms come, when the floods come, at the end of the day, you will be able to stand firm. So his bottom line is kind of this. Hearing and doing are what make the difference. Hearing and doing are what will make the difference. Here's the deal. Going to church on Saturday morning, going to Vespers on Friday night, attending small group, going to chapel, these are the hearing. But Jesus is challenging you this morning to the doing. Because doing is what makes the difference. And here, the thing is, you guys already know this. You know how I know you know this? How many of you guys have a membership to Drayson? Hey, you have a membership to the gym? You understand exactly what I'm saying then. I don't need to elaborate that doing makes the difference. Because, so for me personally, I used to, um, have any of you guys tried Bikram yoga before? Okay. Wow, like a few brave people. Okay, Bikram yoga is so intense. I used to go several years ago because I had like um, lower back issues and someone told me it could help. Actually, someone forced me to go. But I went every day actually for 30 days. There was like a 30-day challenge. And so I went every day. And the thing is, I know I'm kind of new to this church, so you guys don't really know me. And you probably think like, oh, but like she's like, she looks fit. I don't, know, I don't know if you think that, but if you think that, um, maybe, maybe you think that. And the thing is, I'm not, okay? I'm not fit. Um, actually, a few years ago when like a lot of uh, uh, news publications were talking about like this new um, danger of being skinny fat, where it's like you look skinny, but you actually like you're really unhealthy because you're like, you live a very sedentary lifestyle. Like three of my friends sent me the article. They're like, hey, you should read this. So I'm not like a fit person. I don't exercise a lot. So me going to Bikram yoga for 30 days straight, like I went on Sabbath, like on Saturday mornings, I would wake up and I would go to the 5 a.m. class and then I'd go to yoga for 90 minutes and then I'd come home, shower, and then get ready for church. For 30 days, I did this. And if you are not familiar with Bikram yoga, it is 90 minutes of two sets of 26 postures, which is hard enough for me. But on top of that, it is practiced in rooms where the temperature is regulated to 104 degrees with 40% humidity. It's so gross in there. Like, you have to not put your mat too close to the person next to you because when their sweat drips, it will splatter onto you. Okay? So I went for 30 days straight. And while I was going, I had a Bikram yoga key tag on my keychain. 
And you know, those plastic tags that you get from like grocery stores or Panera. And I had a Bikram yoga one because I would need it to check in every time I went. And people would see this on my key tag and they would be like, especially my friends are like, hey, whose keys are you holding? Like, you go to Bikram Yoga? And I was like, man, please, like, these are my keys. And yes, I do. And I've been going for 12 days in a row. Um, And I felt healthy, right? Because I had gone every single day, I felt healthy. And I don't know about you guys, but how many of you have ever signed up for a gym membership or you've bought new exercise equipment or you bought new running shoes don't you kind of feel healthy when you first buy it, right? You're like, oh man, like, look at my new shoes. I'm going to run so much. Or you're like, I got this new great deal on this gym membership. I'm, I feel healthy. But you're not actually healthier. You're not actually better health-wise. Jesus says you can buy all the equipment you want, right? But unless you are doing Unless you are doing, uh, the scripture's not up here, but unless you are not doing, it makes no difference. And the same is true in deepening your relationship with Jesus, in deepening your faith. Um, Years later, after Jesus shared this with his followers, James, the brother of Jesus, he writes a letter to some Christians, and it's preserved for us in the New Testament. And this is James's take on the very same thing. This is what James says. James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Oh, this is really interesting because 2,000 years ago, James, he pointed to a dynamic that is true in churches today. That there is a tendency for us to deceive ourselves. So what's he talking about? He's talking about this thing that I've been referencing, that we come here and we listen and we feel like we've made progress. It's like, I bought a treadmill. I bought new shoes. I feel like I'm making progress. I signed up for that CrossFit class. I feel like I'm making progress. I woke up on time for church. I feel like I'm making progress. I sang the praise songs. And you know what, Pastor? I even felt emotion as I sang the praise songs. I must be making progress. But James is like, dude, no, you're deceiving yourself. Wait, but, wait, but I really felt convicted during that sermon. I really, you know, I really need to hear that message from God. That's awesome. So what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. But in that moment, I was very aware of how much I needed Jesus and I felt really close to God. See, some of us have confused these feelings with an authentic relationship or encounter with Christ. For you, that's as far as it's gone. And James is saying, guys, don't deceive yourselves. Please don't leave church service thinking you've made progress because you've heard something You've felt something, but then you didn't do anything. What James says next is, he says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What he says is, do 
what it says. Do what it says. James is like, hey, remember my brother, the Messiah, Jesus? Remember what he said? He was like, hey, do like the wise man does what I say. He puts it into practice. I'm telling you the same thing. Do what it says. Now, James, like Jesus, he's, he's able to give us a really awesome word picture of exactly what he's talking about, right? So Jesus's word picture was the wise man building his house. Um, this is James's word picture. Okay, he says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Okay, this is really interesting because this was somewhat relevant back then when James wrote this, but this is extremely relevant nowadays because back then, very few people actually were really able to see a clear reflection of what they look like, of their own face. So imagine, you know, like a lot of them, they would go through their whole life without really knowing exactly what it is their face looks like. Like the closest um, they could get, and maybe you've seen this before in movies, is like peering very slowly over still water, right? That was like a somewhat clear reflection that they could see. Um, some people had pieces of bronze, and this is the mirror that James is referring to. They had pieces of bronze that they would polish, and then, you know, with the shiny bronze, they're like, oh, okay, this is what I look like. But they don't really know, like, and in the generation of the selfie, like, this is kind of hard for us to imagine. Nowadays, we really, really understand this because this is what James is saying. To come to a place like this, to be in an environment where you listen and you realize you need to make a change, to be aware that you need to make a change, to be aware that you need to do something different in your relationships, to be aware that you need to manage your time or your finances or your health differently, to come into an environment where you become aware that something needs to change and to leave and not change is the same thing as if you got up in the morning and you walked into the bathroom and you flip on the light and you look in the mirror and you're like, ooh, yikes. Or you're like, ugh. And then you need to go to work or you need to go to school and you see what you see in the mirror and then you're like, eh. And then you change your clothes and you go to work or you go to school. See, you wouldn't do that. I know how long you stand in front of that mirror in the mornings. Mornings. I know how long it takes you. You want me to tell you how long it takes you? You stand in front of the mirror in the mornings and you stand there doing what you got to do until it gets better, right? Until you stand there until it gets fixed. You do something about what you see, right? Only like elementary school kids and below don't care about what they see. I hope I didn't offend any elementary school. Like, no, I care about what I look like. Um, Sorry, maybe younger. Uh, We do not look in the mirror and then leave if there's something that we feel like we need to fix. No one like looks in the mirror after they've eaten like salad and then smile and they see like green stuff in their teeth and they're like, all right, have a good day. And James says to sit under the teaching of God's word. To become aware that change needs to take place in my heart. 
That change needs to take place in a relationship. That change needs to take place in a habit. That there's an addiction that I need to address. That there's a person I need to apologize to. That there's someone that I need to forgive. There's money I need to stop spending in the way that I've been spending it. There's a relationship that I need to actually get out of. To listen to God's word and simply become aware of that is like looking into a mirror and saying, ooh, I really need to take care of that, but then leaving without doing anything. He's like, dude, that's as foolish as you looking into the mirror and like, ah, I look rough today. Oh, well. You see, in the real world, you don't get any credit for simply looking in the mirror. In other words, if you look in the mirror and you have like dried drool on your face and your hair is all messed up and you have like eye boogers and then you just go to school and then you continue to do that day after day, then pretty soon, probably the first day actually, probably the first 10 minutes, someone is going to be like, hey man, is everything okay? Right? Like, hey, you tired? You see, in the real world, you do not get credit just for looking in the mirror. You get credit for what you do. But in church, in the spiritual world, we deceive ourselves. And we think somehow, I get credit because I am aware of what I need to change. Right? Imagine if you go to class day after day, and someone's like, hey, what's going on? Right? And you're like, ah, pray for me. I really need to brush my teeth. I really need to wash my face. Pray for me. Like, I need to put on some makeup. Please keep me in your prayers. They're like, wait, pray for you? Why don't you just do something about it? Right? No, 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 no. I don't need to do anything. Just pray for me. I know. I know I need to wash my face. Pray for me. Okay? You would never do that in real life. You would never do that. But we do that in our relationship with Jesus. James continues, but whoever looks intently, and you know what it means to look intently because some of our moms, they have intently mirrors. You know what I'm talking about? Those like round mirrors with like the ring of light around it. And when you turn it on, you see every single pore that was ever created and every single like wrinkle and every single like, you're just like, why would you spend money on this? And every imperfection. But James is like, whoever looks intently, intently into that perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, So this perfect law is talking about scripture. And maybe you're like, wait, hold on. The perfect law, wait, scripture that gives freedom? This word, maybe it bothers you a little bit, right? And here's why. Because maybe when you think about scripture, my hunch is, and I'm like very generalizing here, so forgive me if I'm wrong about you, but the younger that you are or the less time you've spent experiencing Jesus you probably do not associate freedom with following the teachings of scripture. The younger you are in your faith, usually, you see scripture as the opposite. I first became Christian in high school, um, and I was uh, 
I was attending an Adventist church. I didn't really like know that much about Adventism, but I ended up going to Pacific Union College for for school um, when I was when I graduated high school. So when I got to PUC, this is when I really saw the bars of scripture closing down on me. Okay. Um, because I didn't grow up Adventist, because I didn't grow up Christian, uh, I remember one of the very first San Francisco trips we ever took my freshman year. A group of us went to Fisherman's Wharf. And one of our other friends, who was also not Adventist, he ordered at this restaurant that we were at, he ordered calamari. Okay? And for those of you Adventists in here who don't know what calamari is, it's, it's um, is it squid or octopus? Both? Okay. So it's squid and octopus. Okay. Double whammy. And so he orders it and it's also deep fried. Okay. So, so he orders calamari and it comes out and then he's like, Oh, do you guys want some? And everyone around the table, all my friends are like, no, thank you. Oh, like, no, I'm good. Oh, like, oh no, it's okay. But I'm like, I love calamari. Right. I'm like, dude, I'll have some. And he's like, okay. So we're just like eating it later. One of my friends tells me, she's like, hey, you're not supposed to eat that. I'm like, what? She's like, that like, that octopus thing. You're not supposed to eat that. And I'm like, why? She's like, the Bible says so. I was like, what? I didn't know that. Okay. And then during my freshman year, like the church that I grew up at, I'm not going to rat it out, but a lot of you guys know what church I grew up at. When I was in high school, what we did every Sabbath after potluck or after service, we'd go to potluck and we would check something. Is there spaghetti being served or not? If there is no spaghetti, then we don't eat at church. Okay? Because that means there's like rice and like seaweed. So we're like, okay, no spaghetti, then we're going to leave and we go to Lolita's and we go eat burritos. And when I was in high school, we went and we, um, we ended up visiting... Uh, for a youth rally, we went and visited another Southern California church in Los Angeles. And um, at this church, after the youth rally was over, after worship was over, we went and we checked out potluck. It didn't look good. And so the new friends that I had made, they were like, we're going to go to this place called King Taco. And we're going to go eat tacos and burritos. And I was like, oh, this must just be what churches do. You go and you check out potluck, and if there's nothing you like, you go eat Mexican food. Okay? Actually, when I was in college, I visited Loma Linda Church, and we went to Miguel Jr.'s afterwards. Okay? But, so I thought this was like a thing that we do. And um, when I got to PUC, I checked out potluck after one of the first services, and it didn't look good. So then I asked my friends, like, hey, where are we going to go eat? Where are the good Mexican places around here? And then my friend's like, what do you mean? It's Sabbath. And I was like, I know. (laughs) And then they're like, no, you're And then they look at me. They're like, wait, you know you're not supposed to spend money on Sabbath, right? I was like, what? It's the same girl that told me about calamari. I'm like, where does it say that? She's like, I don't know, but it says that. I'm like, Okay. So during my freshman year at PUC, I was like, man, if someone had been like, isn't it awesome being Christian? There's so much freedom. I would have been like, dude, what kind of Christian are you? To me, there is, didn't seem to be much freedom. I had never had curfew before in my life. I had never had only vegetarian options before me. It didn't feel like freedom. 
But as I got older, as I got to know Jesus better, things changed. And as I studied scripture, as I began to apply them, it did give me freedom. You know, the Bible teaches us to forgive. When I first started working as a pastor, um, people would occasionally ask me, wow, so you're a female pastor in the Korean church. Is that hard? Do you face a lot of opposition? And honestly, for the most part, like things have been very good. I've been very fortunate. Um, it has not been bad. But, but there was an elder of the first church I worked at who just like, I don't really know what it was. Um, I don't know if it's, maybe he just didn't like me or like th- this man, he was never mean to me, but he never said anything bad about me, but he treated me as though I was dust, like just like flying around, right? Like I would say hello if I see him and he'd be like, mm, right? Um, I'm like, oh, okay, he's busy. I'd walk into a room if we have like a meeting and I would say hello to the adults and he would not like look up or acknowledge me. Um, but if my male associate pastor walked in, five seconds behind me, this elder would be on his feet to shake his hand. So I'm like, oh, maybe it's because my hands are small. I don't know. Um, it, it was weird and it kind of annoyed me. And sometimes it would make me kind of mad to the point where sometimes running into him on Sabbath, it kind of put me in a bad mood. And I, didn't, I don't like being in a bad mood. So after much hemming and hawing over what I should do, what I could do to fix this, and realizing there's really not much I can do to fix this, I started to pray for him. And at first, I didn't know what to pray, right? All I could tell God was, God, you know that elder. He needs more Jesus, okay? <laughs> okay? Okay, amen. But as I prayed for him regularly, right, my prayer started to change a little bit. And I started thinking, man, if he's sexist or if he's just like a dismissive person in general, I wonder what things are like for his kids. I wonder what things are like for his wife. So I started praying for his wife. I started praying for his kids, for his daughter. And then I started praying for their relationship, their family dynamic. And then I started praying for his health because I was like, you know, he's kind of old. And like, what if his relationship with his kids is not that great? He needs more time to make amends. So God, you need to make sure he's healthy. And then I was like, and you know, he's a leader at this church. I started praying for his leadership. God, he influences a lot of people. You need to give him wisdom. You need to give him discernment. And then I got to a place where even when he would ignore me week after week, it didn't bother me because I'm like, I'm praying for you. (laughs) And the perfect law that gives freedom, that's what it did for me, right? It gave me freedom. And I see people around me who have made decisions to not forgive certain people in their lives and the bitterness and the anger that has festered in their hearts that it's formed chains on them. It's formed shackles around them. And the Bible teaches us to honor God with our bodies, right? But when you're 16, when you're 18, when you're 20, how liberating is that, right? That's not liberty, that's handcuffs. Honor God with your body. Honor God with what you put in your body. Honor God with where you take your body. Honor God with what you look at. Honor God with what you put in your mind. Honor God in your relationships. And it's like, Man, are you kidding me? Just put me in a little cell. This is not liberating. This is not freedom. But as we get older, we realize that 
our incorrect expressions of freedom, they created bondage in us, right? In our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our habits. And for those of us who are older, we wish we could go back. We wish we could go back to that one weekend or that one summer break or that one party or that season in our life during our first relationship. We wish we could go back and honor God with our bodies, right? Some of you, if you could do that, you would, you're like, man, if I could just do that, I would be liberated from some of these habits that are plaguing me right now. And this, this scripture, this scripture, it makes perfect sense to you. But it only makes sense and it only makes a difference if and when we do something with what we hear. And guys, I really want you to be free, okay? Like if you guys know, if you guys have talked about talk to me about Jesus, you know that I'm like really into like us being liberated, us living freely. And I know that you're never just going to be free simply by listening to the pastoral staff preach, right? You're only going to be free if you do something with what you hear. And this is how James finishes up. He says, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. And I need to be very, very clear about something this morning. Our relationships with Jesus, they began when we first experienced him, when we first made the decision to follow, right? And anything about our Christian walk, anything and everything about our Christian walk, it must be relational, right? Jesus made that very, very clear to us that it's not about what we do. It's about who we know. But the doing that I'm talking about, I'm not talking about like, yeah, so make sure that you follow all the rules. That's actually not what I'm trying to say. So don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is you need to make space for him in your life, right? If you feel convicted of something, you following through with that conviction, that's not being legalistic. That's not working out your faith. That's you abiding in a relationship with him, right? That's you responding to him inviting you to do something, inviting you to grow, inviting you to change, inviting you to be free. But if for any chance you somehow mistakenly understand me today as thinking, okay, I got to really buckle down and figure this out on my own. Dude, no, don't think that, right? You cannot think you can do this by yourself. Whether your goal is to change your habits or your goal is simply to experience Jesus, you cannot do it by your efforts alone, right? Imagine like if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, imagine you're being carried across Niagara Falls by a skilled, like the world's best tightrope walker, I don't know why he's carrying you over Niagara Falls, but imagine this, okay? So you're going across with him and halfway across, you have a choice. You can let him carry you the rest of the way or you can tell him, you know what? I think I can handle this. Like I'll go the rest of the way by myself. It's not just that trying to live by laws and discipline is useless. Trying to live by laws and discipline, it is a backwards step, It's a step into slavery and it undermines grace and hope. 
the law was never meant to be the starting point for change for us. It's meant to bring us to an end to ourselves and to drive us into the arms of Jesus because we're like, there's no way I can do this by myself. But the thing is, the trap that so many of us are in, that trap that so many of us are used to is that we are used to walking the tightrope by ourselves. Most of you did it when you were an undergrad, right? When you were studying for the MCAT or the DATs or whatever test, major test you had to take, when you first started grad school, many of you look at you, your life and you feel like there's a part of you, honestly, that feels like you've gotten to where you are because you inched your way across that type rope. Sometimes with your eyes squeezed shut because of how scary and how stressful it was, but at least you got across this one section. At least you're in grad school now. At least you're in residency now. A lot of you guys, in the eyes of the world, you're successful. You're the pride of parents everywhere. But the sooner you realize that your self-sufficiency, your time management skills, your brain, your ability are not enough to save you from your sins, the sooner you realize that, dude, praise God, the better. All of those things, all of the traits that, you, that have brought you this far, no offense, they're not going to take you to the end. They can't. And the thing is, oftentimes, as Christians, we get stuck on either side of this fence. We either think, I have to do it myself, by my might, by my power, by my ability. I'm going to make sure that I keep all of the rules. Or we get into the side where we're like, I'm not going to do anything because Jesus got it. I go to church when I can. I go to small groups. But God is love. God is grace. We're saved by grace, not by our works. I'm just going to give it to Jesus. But if we simply hear and do not do, we cannot enter into the freedom that he invites us to. My challenge for all of us is that we will seriously consider this and we will think about where are the areas? What are things that Jesus has been whispering to you? Maybe he's been shouting some things to you and you've been hearing it and you've been like, yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, definitely. I will think about that more. I will meditate on that. Where are things that you have been hearing, but now you need to start doing? Let's pray.